working on these type of projects. Like you said, they're typically backed by pretty experienced, like visionary, experienced founders who have done this before in different ways. And what I'm getting at is these type of genius, visionary tech leaders, like they don't give a shit about your design process, right? You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Casey Martin. Casey is the founder and executive creative director of Play, a branding and design studio working with the world's most innovative companies, communicating their vision for a better, more humanistic future. Their unique way of working has allowed them to work with companies like Elon Musk's neurotech company Neuralink, digital currency Worldcoin, and storage standout Dropbox. In this episode, we talk about how you design for the far future, how abandoning your preconceived ideas about how to work can open up new opportunities, and how you need to iterate rapidly to work with some of the smartest people in the world. Enjoy. Well, Casey, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's really good to to have you. It's always nice to speak to to studios that are doing sort of iconic work um, and to understand a little bit more about it. So, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, first podcast ever, so hopefully, I don't embarrass you. And appreciate the uh, appreciate the kind words. Right. <laughs> I mean, I like the styling in the background there. You've got some kind of greenery, you know, so like your background work has, has been done quite well. So that's at least quite professional. You know, you're not in your in your bedroom. Hey, you know, I feel like, you know, whatever we can do to like, uh, <laughs> you know, put, you know, I think we got a few tro- design trophies. We've got all, yes. the, all the nice design books there. Um, the 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 palm as well you know between that like we're already i'm already set up to 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 project like uh successful design studio vibes so (laughs) (laughs) hopefully we're we're starting off we're starting off strong in the right place red so so i mean Mm -hmm. i think we should start the conversation with the the project that I think made Kiri reach out to us, which is is Worldcoin, you know, creating a brand and identity for uh, a currency for the entire world is <laughs> like a, a fairly daunting task. I mean, how do you even begin to brand something for everyone? Because, I mean, I know from our work, as soon as, we ask people who's your your client base, and they say everyone. You sort of roll your eyes, and then you have to ask the question again. Like, no, really, who is your 
uh, client base because you can't be everything for everyone. But this is in theory for everyone. How do you even start doing that? Yeah, not to mention, you know, I think we spoke about this before. Uh, the crypto uh, community operates just on a completely different uh, wavelength when it comes to like timelines and like velocity. Uh, so throwing that into the mix and it makes it even more um, interesting. But I think uh, what was it was it was it was really helpful in this case just to um, understand like the stages of audience outreach and like, because yeah, like at the, at its uh, fully realized um, potential world coin is this uh, is the, is the coin for the world, right? Is this uh, Mm. currency that everyone uses, but there's a lot of steps for them to get there. And the the very first step that helped us uh, navigate that, like, how do you make something that, resonates with everyone was they were they were releasing like announcements about just releasing the announcement that they were even doing it um and um the first target was like the crypto community like the, the folks who are really into the tech who are going to read the three thousand page or three thousand word white paper mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like not many people and then <laughs> also uh, just because we, nobody reads anymore, and then also investors. So we 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 did our first branding sprint with them through that lens to, um, uh, hopefully like just narrow narrow things down a little bit. And you'll see now like comms if you, if you follow them on Twitter, like their their communications are are much more uh, um, broad, and they're 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 approaching how they discuss and share about the technology and the goals in a completely different way, because now they're at the stage where they're trying to spread the word. They're trying to, you know, um, um, launch in different uh, areas of the world and like actually kind of go to market more uh, for lack of a better term. So um, the, the vibe has shifted, I should say, and Mm. rightfully so because, uh, so is so is the stage of their kind of rollout. Yes, and so, I mean, so so you did you design the brand differently based on understanding where it's at? Because I know you did a lot of sort of simplifying, explaining really complex things, uh, you know, in the kind of visuals of it. Like, how did you go about sort of setting that up? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously. Um, us brand designers like to think if we do our job right, like never needs to be done again, <laughs> the logo will last forever. And so we tried to, we tried to think about that, uh, you know, the ultimate goal, like the far, far future, this like future proofing what we make, but also like we tried to think about it from both angles. Um, I, I ultimately we're trying to, via the the core brand elements uh communicate like what they stand for uh and project uh like a an energy that is authentic to uh the, the organization and the project and what they're trying to achieve but also is unique um i think we can agree that there's a lot of uh <laughs> There's a lot of uh, crypto uh, tropes when it comes, especially when it comes to branding. 
Um, mm. So, want to show it's a it's a unique type of project. We want to we want to make sure that it's it, it looks as such. I mean, and what we ultimately came up with was this uh, was a mark that is uh, an abstraction of like seven hands holding a coin. Um, you know, representing you know, each of the continents. And, you know, um, all kind of come together to have like an equal share of, of the coin. So that's the, if you visit our website and go through the case study, there's a much, there's a very like designery way of explaining, of explaining this and like mm. showing the thinking here. But ultimately we feel like whether it's, you know, for investors or the crypto community um, in the early days or, you know, being represented uh, and, brought to the world as like a universal currency, you know, years and years down the road or whenever that it's realized like that, that story, that is something that will kind of be, be true throughout that timeline. Mm. And I guess it's, it's interesting because you, you can't use the, you can't use that cultural visual elements or text or these kind of things. Cause if you're designing for everyone, it has to function across multiple people, multiple languages, multiple things. It needs to sort of work universally. And I, I mean, there isn't really a universal graphic language, but it, you know, I think the base of it would be quite simple. Yeah, we tried a lot of globes, right? We tried a lot of like very brutal combinations of like coin plus world. <laughs> <laughs> like that hopefully translates cross culture and, a different language um but ultimately we we wanted to what was resonating most with their leadership and the folks closest to the project was uh what we ended up with another thing that we were trying to find the balance of was you know when you think about uh, gl- uh a world currency you know you think about global institution right the olympics the uh comes to mind or um uh there's there's a bunch of other global institutions i can't i can't come to mind with but like uh like international like committees or um fifa and and fifa right or what's the, <laughs> what's the, the un uh, or... the un exactly that's what's coming up do you know you think of like the united nations right there's just like yeah. this governing body of of the world and all the a mediator of all the countries but then you also think of like tech, right? They have this um, really crazy technology that like takes a picture of your retina really quickly and can then identify if if you are unique or not. Have we seen you before? And they can even generate, you know, it generates, I'm probably butchering the technology a little bit, but um, not to not to undersell it, but identifying a code a unique kind of key based on your like the 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 unique elements in your retina um blah 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 blah. like it's i it's it's very advanced and technical and there's a lot of engineering when it comes to software and hardware and like it, it it's this orb that like scans your eyes right that's very high tech that's very mm. like sci-fi futuristic movie so how do we how do we bridge that gap um, between UN global institution and like this orb thing that scans my eyes? 
So, um, <laughs> we're, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, I feel like we, um, did a pretty good job there, but, uh, that was just, uh, made for an interesting brief is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So do you have one of the crazy death star looking orb things? No, I do not. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> um, I think they're pretty expensive to make, so I, I don't, I'm not sure they were. They weren't just. Uh, I'm very just proprietary, so right I didn't get one of. It wasn't part of the contract. In order for us to do this, we also get a <laughs> retina scanning orb. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get that, but. <laughs> but this is, you know, this is an interesting kind of thing because you know, if I look at your your portfolio, you work across sort of you know from startups all the way to to these big companies but these this is these are interesting companies because this is a startup you know like as in it's a new company and a new idea but it's it's not like a traditional startup it's being started by some of the most successful you know people in the tech industry and it's i'm going to assume highly well funded and backed by you know everything so it's almost a startup only because it's new and not necessarily because it's it's um, you know a, a bootstrapping itself. How do you how do you approach these different size jobs and different size sort of things? Is there like a different way that you think about building a brand for them, or or yeah, I guess talk me through your process with that. Yeah, I mean, well, just to take a step back, like we do work with a lot of uh, or we with a lot of companies that are very future facing to, to kind of put it very uh blandly mm. neuralink is one of them yeah. world coin um we just did a a, a brand for a like a, a surgical robot that you can offer the surgeon can control from the browser in a completely different location um this is like both like groundbreaking technology and all that, that can make really that can add a lot of like value to our lives in the future mm. <laughs> simultaneously like kind of scary you know like mm -hmm. at surface level it's very easy for it to fall into the black mirror category like yes. if you pay it as much of attention as you do any other thing so i think uh when it the other thing the other thing about uh um working on these type of projects is like you said they're they're typically backed by pretty uh experienced like visionary experienced founders who have done this before in different ways mm. um and what i'm what i'm getting at is these type of these type of uh like genius visionary tech leaders like they don't give a shit about your design process right like as as a, as brand studios as designers we love to create these processes and to have our timelines and our scopes and our you can't do step one before you get to step two it's very like methodical right and mm -hmm. for good reason right like we like to we like to go through our steps and have our process and have time and review and and all of that and it's all for it's all really good and we love working like that whatever we can for obvious reasons but like tell that to someone who's 
uh, engineering like a very a chip that's going to be implanted in your brain. Like they're they don't. It's hard for them to grok the or add. They just want to get going. They they, they have they, they they have a timeline that's they have a timeline that's being compressed to this because in their mind, like design is like is a very is the is the least complicated part of the puzzle, right? If mm. you're thinking about all of these things we're talking about, not to say that it isn't, not to say that it's simple to create beautiful brands um, and like in a simple way, but mm. it, it kind of is the least complicated part of their world. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're talking about 2D shapes and telling a story versus like like cross disciplinary engineering at a like on a surgical or a like you know biometric level so yes. yeah they don't care about the you know the strategy or like they don't want to they're like brand personality like what like what is that you know they're ready to they're very iterative so i think you know although we do like our 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 process and our step by step approach that we 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 have success using we kind of just jump in the fire with with them and um pros and cons to that i would say <laughs> um but it's also kind of fun to shake things up and to just jump in and, and get right into iterating and making a bunch of things and going back and mm. forth and being really collaborative um i think uh sometimes uh it we, we end up making things that are really cool that we might not have gotten to in the same way if we if we if we took did all the steps in order. So I think mm. there's um it while it can be exhausting, there's definitely something to it as well, I think. Yeah, I guess it's I mean what I find fascinating about this is, you know, we have this debate in our studio all the time. And my my um ex-business partner always used to when you know designers were freaking out, he would say that calm down, like nobody's gonna die. Like if if this if this presentation doesn't go well or if this brand is the wrong color, like nobody dies here. And it it feels like some of the stuff you're working on, that if it goes wrong, like some people could die. You know, like it the stakes are are higher. Um, and it is interesting to, to, to feel that I guess at the one point they do realize that the brand is important because they're coming to a branding agency. So it's not like they're saying this thing is completely ir like not important, but like you say, there's the other problems they're trying to solve are much bigger than, than building the brand. And I guess it is also interesting where, you know, when you're dealing with the far future, differentiation is not difficult because there's nobody else mm -hmm. out here, you know, like nobody else is making this thing. So it's not like I'm another bank and I need to convince you that I'm different or that, you know, like buy my shoe. I know there's a hundred shoes, but this one's really special. It's like, if you want a coin for the world that scans your retina, this is the only one. There, there isn't another version of this kind of out there. Um, but can you talk a little bit about you know, because it, from the outside, it feels like these these sort of founders, the Sam Altmans, the Elon Musk, these kind of people, you know, these products are often an extension of their personality, of them as a, you know, as a person, as a as a kind of creator, as a an iterator. What's it like? 
What did you learn kind of iterating with people like that, that you can then apply back to a company like say Dropbox, which is, you know, a much bigger, you know, much more set, not not set, but it's not like a single perspective. There's an entire company and an entire product suite and a branding agent and like a marketing agency. It's like a completely different thing as mm-hmm. opposed to this one person who's got this vision and they need to be happy with the, the work that you're doing. Yeah, uh, well, I, I'll also say like, like the, the folks that you're mentioning like have substantial teams of like really fucking smart, talented, <laughs> experienced people who are uh, kind of that we're working with, and and um, yeah, it, there is like it does get fed up up the ladder, and like there is some some back and forth and some things we need to react to. And it's not always at the perfect time in the process. And, you know, that always makes for, you know, interesting things, but I will say it's definitely a, it's definitely a pressure cooker, right? Like there is, uh, the stakes are high. Um, there's there's a lot of smart people in the room and everyone's, like converging to create this this thing by a date that needs to be excellent at all costs. So mm. I think um, when I th- I think when we I think what we learn from those situations is just how to be really resilient, how to be really flexible, how to uh, just go with the flow and like make something good without the the training wheels of our design process when it comes to mm. like, you know, like I said, you know, going through our, I'm sure most, like most studios do strategy to, you know, con- con- you know, concepting to execution to launching. Like there's, there, there's kind of like a, a general process that, you know, most studios have that maps that in some way, but the, the the learnings when you to to make something in a really pressure situation at, that's that's really high stakes that's just going to get tweeted out to see that millions of people are going to see is when Dropbox calls to you know brand this suite of companies they just they just um, acquired and the timelines may be like a little bit faster than your normal. Um, situation and they're wondering can you help deliver by a time it just it instills a lot of confidence in 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 us to be like just to know that we'll be able to deliver that mm. uh not to say that that's not as important or not to say that the stakes aren't as high in, in different ways it just it def- it just feels like okay we've we've done um <laughs> we know how to like be flexible i guess is the hmm. just to distill it down into well i guess it's it's root, it, it, it helps us uh kind of fle- um work on our flexible muscles and um that can be really valuable for important organizations doing moving quickly and although we try to limit the amount <laughs> amount of times we do that because it's 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 stressful and hard and probably takes a couple of years off my life, but yeah. 
But I, I think it's, you know, I guess what you're saying there is that you've you've stretched your your delivery muscles, like you stretched how you work. Um, you know, I, I listened to an interview for from um I forget his name now, but he's he climbs all he climbed all the mountains with no ropes. And he was like, when you're climbing up a a two thousand foot sheer face with no rope like making a mistake is not an option. It's not a, you know, and you get good at it. And then he's like, anything else you do after that feels not easy, but the you've got a perspective that, that sort of shifts it. I mean, I underlined something that you said earlier that you sometimes do 15 to 20 directions, you know, on something. And I think some designers who are listening to that would sort of like die because, you know, not only... It's not even about not doing directions, but I, I just I see putting fifteen options in front of someone and getting them to choose. Like, how do they even begin to make that decision? But I guess if you are in it together, that option kind of comes and goes quite quickly, or it comes and something's there, and then it sort of gets pushed further, and it might make it three more steps, and then you know the next one kind of pops out, and you go from there. Yeah, totally. I feel like I mean. If we look at like the evolution of like communication agency, just to make it like as broad as possible, mm. like we used to have, it used to be, you know, you hire us for a specific thing, whether it be advertising or design or across the, you know, anything in between, we go away, we come back with the answer, what we think is the answer. There's feedback, we go away again, right? It's very like, uh, not very collaborative and 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 I think that's changed a lot like it's the, the the working styles have become a lot more collaborative obviously figma you know is a tool that even pushes us even further um, I think and don't get me wrong I do feel like there <laughs> I think there are processes that could be too collaborative or there are working styles that could be like too embedded. Like, mm. I, you know, it's nice to have, I think, intense collaboration and like real time iteration is really valuable. I also think like being in our studio and being able to like have space to, to use the ingredient of time um, is also really valuable. Um, mm. So I think back to what you're saying about sharing like 15 to 20 ingredients or ingredients, uh, directions. I think that's, a, that's, that's, you know, when you, when you don't have uh, a ton of time, you just gotta, you gotta shoot a lot of arrows to hit, to, to, to see, figure out where the target is. And that's our way of, that's our way of kind of compensating for that, you know, putting a bunch of talented designers on it, do coming up with a, a bunch of, directions and showing them to the, to people who are kind of like, I need to see it. I need to just kind of see it. And then mm. we can go from there. And that's our way of like, um, narrowing, obviously like half of them immediately are just like, Nope, can't do that for X, Y, Z reason. And then it just helps us get the ball rolling. It helps us narrow in and hone in. Like if we had a strategy, if we had like a, a, a headline bank, if we had this whole like messaging strategy brief, process then we could only show three directions that were like we're really on confident point. that are probably going on point in just slightly different ways but like mm. in the absence of that we just need to be like okay like 
you know, this thing, that's our, that's our antidote to that. And I think, yeah, it's, it is scary, right? Like, I, I, I mean, there was a time in my design career where like, I would never show a client anything that I wouldn't be 100% thrilled if they chose it, right? That's, mm-hmm. there's that mentality, right? Like if you're not, if you're not comfortable with them choosing it, don't show it to them. Right. And I think yes. that speaks to like, you know, older or like previous methods. You just, you just kind of have to trust, you know, you kind of jump in and you have to realize that like, look, they're doing, you know, they have a lot of expertise in what they're doing and we just kind of have to jump in and, and make a bunch of things and just kind of <laughs> ride the wave, if you will. And I think what's, what helps us do that is, uh, you know, having a really talented team who can kind of be like, Oh, okay. Like you want, you, you want to do it this way instead of that way. Like, instead of, instead of seeing that as like a, a complete roadblock, being able to like Neo in the matrix kind of like um, use our good communication skills to like uh, yes. And their thought and bring it to a place that we could get more excited about, but then also have the, have the, have designers who are talented enough to kind of pull it off. So I think, you know, it's not easy and it's not something that I would, we, we want to do all the time, but uh, like I said, like, I think it's a different way of working and sometimes you just got to jump in make a bunch of shit with uh, super geniuses who know a lot more about a lot of things than you do and, you know, give them some trust and, and, and see what comes out on the other end. Mm, I'm also fascinated that you say that when you're doing these really high pressure jobs that you, you put your entire team on it. It's almost like the, the team stops to do this one thing with you. Yeah. I mean, when uh, you, you need all the help you can get in those situations. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sometimes we bring on more folks too. Yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. So, you know, like how did you, how did you end up being the, 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 the designers of the future, like the people kind of creating that stuff? Like, how did you end up in this position was this deliberate genius on your part or did it happen accidentally because i'm the only one dumb enough to say yes to these to these <laughs> things probably <laughs> <laughs> i think it all no it all it all it started with the knurling project um and that was i think uh attracted a lot more of of those type of things and mm. um yeah and i probably was i mean obviously look that's a very fascinating product and um polarizing compelling company like really interesting and like yeah there was uh i was you know silly enough to just blindly say yes to a ridiculous timeline um and we pulled it off and i think that was kind of the the tip of the iceberg i guess like my team's moment. listening to this being like my team. Yeah. My team's listening to this being like, Oh God, <laughs> no more crazy spreads. Um, and, uh, yeah, we definitely try to be, try to be, uh, intentional with when and how we take that stuff on. But mm. yeah, that's kind of how it started. 
But I like, I mean, I'm going to use this against my team. I mean, we're like, listen, guys, yeah, like you can pull this stuff off in like a quarter of the amount of time. We just need to focus on it. But, uh, you know, I think it's interesting <laughs> that you you push yourself and you push your studio to create this work. And then that work gets to to sort of define the other work that you have access to. So I think by being open to shifting how you approach things, it's given you opportunities that you might not necessarily have had if you weren't kind of open to it. Um, uh, you know, I'm interested, you, you were sort of, you talked a little bit about it with the, the kind of Dropbox work, but like what are some of the, the lessons or the tools that you pulled out of these like pressure cooker moments that you can then apply in a scenario with somebody like a Dropbox who's got a, a little bit more of a traditional timeline, you know, and a little bit more kind of room to to give you that, I think what you said, the ingredients of time to sort of execute the work. Mm-hmm. So what, what are the learnings? Um, yeah, that, like, like that what did you pull out of that with... pressure cooker? Um, well, first off, like just to, you know, let's compare, let's compare the situations, right? Like, uh, we're talking about like the Neuralink, the World Coins, et cetera, those type of projects. Mm. And like we're working with a founder or like a very, uh, we're working yeah, with a founder of the company, engineer background, um, no design team, and maybe not even a, a marketing team at the time mm. versus Dropbox, who has like a, you know, world cat, world class like brand studio with a, you know, an a, an awesome like you know director who who's working, you know, with us to help like navigate in you know internal channels, and then they also have designers on their team, producers. So it's like it's so different, um, and uh, it, it it definitely uh, makes like working with a Dropbox just like way. I would uh, easier, simpler. It makes it way simpler. You know, I think at the end of the day, like the same amount of work goes into mm. like making a design, making good design. You know, it just happens over a different amount of time with a different amount of hands involved to like mm. go through that amount of iterations. Like either way, both of them, a shit ton of work is getting done. <laughs> And a shit ton of iterations are happening. Like that's the process, right? The design process is make a bunch of things, take a step back, look at the things, what's working, what's not, learn from that, dive back in, do it again, and then just do that over and over again until you until like either you run out of time or you make something <laughs> that, that feels really good. So yes. um I think I think we just uh I think what we learn and what we could apply, what we applied is I think the ability to anticipate where the client is coming from to anticipate like what maybe make assumptions about what they're going to need the ability to just because when you're moving at lightning speed, like you, you don't really have time to ask, to stop, ask questions, ask for, ask for permission. You kind of just have to, you kind of just have to go you have to make some assumptions, ask for, you'll, you know, you'll ask for forgiveness later versus mm. asking for permission to do things. And I think, you know, like that's what, I mean, um, that just helps us 
just be a better partner. It helps us to um, make more, uh, make design that's going to, I think, uh, resonate um, easier, I guess, or, or, or I should say it, it, it just allows us to, to be more comfortable with iterating like um, at a faster pace and be more collaborative, I guess. I think, um, you know, hopping into the Dropbox situation, like they had a, they had a sandbox, you know, they had a, they had like a brand established. They have like a, a team with ideas and direction. And um, this will, this allowed us to just really focus on like making the, the glyphs exactly what they need to be. Um, but, you know, that's still hard because, you know, we're, you know, we're, there are, because of a lot of the constraints, um, you know, there's, th- th- it still takes a lot of iteration. So I, uh, I'm kind of like dancing around the question here. I think, uh, I think, I think, I think the direct answer is like just confidence in the team, in the, in our ability to kind of roll with the punches, to step out of our comfort zone and to just, you know, um, work in ways or with people that maybe we haven't before. Whereas I think earlier in our like studio journey, I think you, it's easier to be a lot more rigid regarding like, oh, no, we need this amount of time. We need this amount of money. We need this amount. Like, the process has to be this. And, again, like, we love that. And I will, if my team's listening, <laughs> that, that's what we still go for as much as possible. But, mm-hmm. like, in the event where, like, the brief or the client or any of that stuff is worth, you know, taking that leap, we have, we have a lot more confidence that we can pull it off and we can be flexible. And, um, I think Dropbox really valued that because, you know, big companies have curveballs too, and they have things change and like direction comes or direction changes. And like they ultimately keep, uh, design studios get brought in to a situation or project because people need help. Mm. Uh, they need help like solving a problem and, um, yeah, we're just trying to be helpful. I think so often it's also like giving perspective. It's like being outside of the, you know, you're not in the jar. You can actually see a little bit clearer than they can because they're so deeply embedded in it because it's their entire world and it's not your entire world. It's your world for a brief moment that you get to play with. No, I mean, just, yeah, that's a great point. Perspective is also is also uh, a really valuable. Huge. Um, you know, I just I want to ask you one more question. That's you know, obviously around your team. Like, how do you how do you balance this insanity? How do you balance this high pressure <laughs> environment? Because you know, I, I guess in the industry, so often the 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 play is to just overwork people until they burn out and then and then leave and then get more people, but you know, assume that you, you, you want to, con- you want to continue keeping working with these people because as they get better at being in these pressure cooker scenarios, then how do you, how do you, how do you think about that? And how do you balance that in the studio? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's not, it's, it's not something that we've solved. You see me like take a big breath as you answer that, <laughs> like kind of like roll my head and be like, ah, oh, like that is the question. Um, hmm. but I think, like 
I, I think that's kind of what's wrong with like the way studios operate, honestly, right? Like you said, like that's the that's the norm. Like you run and gun and like people get burned out and they either go to a different studio or they go work in-house at a huge tech company and like uh either one of those paths is kind of not ideal because you lose that like just like if we're a, a sports team playing together the longer amount of time that you do that together like there's there is a real value there in the mm. camaraderie and the knowing how to work together so going to a new team although i think new experiences are also really valuable like you lose that like the, you lose that chemistry um or go to you know I'm, i know like large corporations or in-house jobs like have a you know it's all about where your priority is but you know things move a little bit slower and like you know what you're working on is a little bit more focused but how you know how how many designers do you know that are kind of feel like they're losing their marbles after a year or two of doing that right and mm. like that's not perfect either right so you kind of you're kind of forced to choose do i want to prioritize making good work or do i want to prioritize having a, a balanced life and mm. again we haven't perfected it by any means but we really are trying to find that we're really trying to figure that out and um like how can we make how can we have a team that uh makes like world class work um but also you know finds balance in in all that because that would be the dream job right who if if you could say to a designer that you oh you get to work on like really cool brand stuff with a really cool team and work that you're really excited about but also you know make good money and like have good balance like everyone would be like sign me up and um so that's what we're trying to do i think mm. the, the 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 way to do that is to there are things we can control there are things we can't control like you know we can't always control the type of projects that come in or the timelines or the briefs things like that like you know obviously we can say yes or we can say no but like you know what i'm saying like this is a business and sometimes Sometimes you have to say yes to things that you don't always like want to and you know you mm. want to you want to make that as as time goes on you want that to happen less and less and and that and and of course it is but um I think what we can control is like benefits right like we give our we give everyone on the team like the best benefits you can get and we for them and their families we pay for all of it uh, so that's one thing another thing is time off uh i think right now we're at 6 weeks pto like everyone gets it um and you know maybe we can um w- w- you know i think time off is important right and mm-hmm. like continue every year every year we look, we look at like cool this was the vacation policy last year how can we make it better this year um i feel like um just keeping a pulse on like the team and like when does someone just need a day off to like recharge you know we have mm-hmm. we have we we have like uh these thing called wellness days and every every there're 12 there're 12 wellness days everyone can anytime just you know obviously we have we try to navigate like timelines and presentations and stuff but <laughs> deadlines you know 
You present yeah, it tomorrow. But, but, I'm taking it. I'm taking a wellness day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And then obviously that doesn't work. But like, it's 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 pretty, you know, common. What a lot of people on our team do is they, you know, it like they just coming off a like a sprint or a couple like you know back to back presentations, and they'll say, "Hey, I want to take a wellness day next Monday." So they get like a three day weekend outside mm. of like the typical holiday or whatever. Um, things like that. Um, and also like try not to put the same that we try not to put the exact same people on like sprints to, you know, back to back or in a row and in a row, because that's just not, <laughs> that's just really, it's taxing. And that's why yes. like, if someone's like, Hey, can you do all this work in, you know, in zero time, we're going to be like, yeah, it's going to cost a shit ton of money because <laughs> like it's, it it takes more hands and it also literally like wears people out. Um, Mm. And then, and then finally try to be really choiceful with when we take these things on and like, yeah, it's just so that we feel like it's a, it's really strategic and and it's really smart for the studio. The project's going to be really cool and impactful. Like you kind of have to be, you kind of have to have the excitement to get yourself amped to do, do one of those things. So if that's not there, then we try not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Well, Casey, I mean, it was, it's, it's um, interesting to talk to someone who works in a completely different way to we do. And I'm going to go back and listen to this again and see what the kind of lessons are to pull out of that. I do love the, that idea that there's certain opportunities that are worth going for. There's certain, you know, there's certain things that are worth shooting for because whilst it might be difficult when you're in the middle of that, um, the, the kind of opportunities and the skills and the learning that you pull out the other side is, you know, it's worth it in the, the long term. So thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, um, public service announcement to clients like more time in the, in the timelines <laughs> please <laughs> after everything you said yeah we would like more time that would be but well, we would, would like more time yes <laughs> right Casey well thank you very much thank you and we'll catch all of you in the next one bye bye for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.